You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. This is Ken, here with Jeff, Neil, and I guess Matt, too. Matt's here, too. Matt's here, too. Yeah, I like your uh, your hat you're wearing today. It's orange. It, it, well, is it's it yellow, yellow? or I can't. I'm colorblind. I'm surprised you're it's wearing yellow. It looks, it's a yellow hat. It looks kind of like a gold or possibly a maize color. Oh. Matt like, just discovered he's wearing a yellow hat. <laughs> We're a little surprised because you're, you're kind of wearing Packers colors, which is oh. a no-no around this part. He's wearing around gray, these parts. Neil. Maybe you are also colorblind. <laughs> well, just the hat, I'm saying. He's just wearing yellow. Okay. It's very good for an audio medium again. It is, I, yeah. I, we always do that. We'll, we'll post a picture. <laughs> a man, the man of the yellow hat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who's Curious George then? Uh, Jeff. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> he is the most curious of all yeah, of us. Yeah, very most curious of us are, man. Most of us are satisfied not to know stuff, but he's the one who's got to know. It's Curious Jeff and the man of the yellow hat. <laughs> Too bad we're not a team today. <laughs> no, not a team. But we got a great, uh, great show today because we have some great guests. I'm going to start... With uh, the person who's uh, Skyping furthest away, or I guess, what is this, Zencasting? Furthest away, and that is uh, Fusi. He's an Oakland Five supporter from Reykjavik, Iceland. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. And may I say, Fusi, your beard is exactly what I expected when I heard we were having a gentleman <laughs> from Iceland on the show. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself other than your beard. Uh, yes, I live in Reykjavik, Iceland. I am the store manager of a furniture store, but right now I'm actually on paternity leave, staying oh. home with a brand new baby. Congratulations! Because you get that in Iceland. Oh, yeah, convenient. yeah. The, the congratulations that. And, was, and it's was mandatory more about, to take at least was, like four months. Yeah, wow. my congratulations was fifty percent. Congratulations on having a new baby, and fifty percent. Congratulations on living in a civilized country. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, I live here with. Uh, my little daughter, my wife, who is Canadian, and uh, my wiener dog. Right. Lovely. Well, uh, we hear you're teaming up with Jeff uh, to kind of complement each other's strong points. Um, but before we play, we need a host. And uh, it is returning savage superstar Bettina Michelli. Uh, she's from Wilmington, North Carolina, and welcome back to the show. What just happened, Neil? I dropped a giant bottle of water. All right, well, let's uh, let's carry on. <laughs> right on the roadcaster. Hey, how are y'all doing? Welcome Thanks to, for welcome having me back. back. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little oh. bit about yourself to remind the listeners. Um, I 
live with Stefan and our four kids and two dogs. I've been a nurse for, I guess, almost 20 years now, and I work as a health educator and volunteer coordinator at a community farm that gives mm. food sure. out to our charities. Oh, that's, that's right. I remember she was doing just about everything. <laughs> so I'm yeah, always important. dirty. Yeah. I'm always outside with, you know, pulling up vegetables mm. or weeds or talking to kids. So I love it. Always so, helping people. Sounds very nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thank you for writing today's game. Um, and I think that's, that's it, right? We just got to get the rules. Yeah. Let's see what the, what the rules have to say. Triviality podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. I am the cream. It was Gilbert. <laughs> it was Gilbert, and he sounded like he was trying to do an Icelandic accent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, uh, Fusi? <clears throat> he did not nail it. Okay. No. <laughs> it's more like New York, sort of. He's just coasting at this point, to be yeah. honest. It was the, the Icelandic uh, portion of uh, Queens the in New York. Sc- screeching <laughs> count as an accent. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what are your what's your team name going to be, Jeff and Fusi? I think you had a good idea. Yeah, inspired by Fusi's awesome name and uh, my love of trivia slash The Office. And little side note, I might be kind of useless today. I'm feeling a little under the weather, but uh, we're going to be Fusi's foibles. Okay, Fusi's foibles. How about you guys? Uh, um, yeah, I'm well, with Matt. you know, this is a big day for you, Neil. Um, why, don't you, why don't you tell the people what they should be doing right now? Yeah, so my book's coming out today. This is release day, April 26th. Uh, and uh, if you pre-order it, Thank you very much for doing that. If uh, you haven't yet or you'd like to go check it out, it's available everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Target, Barnes Noble, Amazon, wherever you want to go. Buy it in bulk. Buy it in bulk. Uh, help me get on some sort of list. Uh, hopefully not one that uh, on puts list. me in jail. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, hopefully uh, pick it up if you can. Uh, it's called Being Patrick Swayze, Essential Teachings from the Master of the Mullet. Uh, I appreciate all of your help. And um, yeah, hopefully it'll help me get another book or two. We'll yeah, see. so we're going to be the bulk book buyers. The bulk book buyers, the, the BBB. And just just uh, for the record, this is being recorded about a month in advance. Um, I did just pre-order Neil's book for real before I was lying. I hadn't read it <laughs> yet, so I just pre-ordered it. Well, I appreciate it's done. it. It's done, and it is available internationally because we had a listener, uh, uh, Willem van Vandeloo from uh, the Netherlands, and he, he picked up a copy or he reserved a copy at a bookstore down the street. Yeah, nice. Wow. So, it's, so it should be available everywhere. International flavor. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump on into this game. Uh, just so you know, this game is a little odd, so it has a travel theme since I love to travel, and thankfully we can start doing more of that now, but it also has a good dose of a certain genre that I find interesting, and it'll be quite apparent the further we get into the game. So so to start our game, let's go traveling. We're going to go to airport. So number one, airport. Um, in what European country can you find the world's largest sales outlet of chocolate the outlet is located in its capital's airport and sells about two tons of chocolate per day. Some of this country's fam- famous chocolate brands include Godiva and Newhouse. The land of chocolate. All right, we're going to lock land. in over here. Fusi, did, you, did you lock in with Candyland? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> North Candyland. Oh. Fusi, do you know this The first one? thing I thought about was this Belgium or Switzerland. Belgium was the first one that came to mind for me. Um, go with Belgium? Go with Belgium. Nice and easy. 
Yep, uh, Matt and I wrote down Belgium, Italy, and Switzerland, but we thought maybe it was too small, and we said just Germany in general. Points to Jeff and Fusey. Uh. It's Belgium. Uh, they consume actually 17 pounds of chocolate per year, and Switzerland, where my husband is from, consumes 20 pounds per year. Wow. But does he still consume Belgium. 20 pounds per year? Yes, he does. Yeah. He actually does. <laughs> um, I do too. Uh, I just so... sadly lack universal health care. <laughs> <laughs> so question two. Lighthouse, um, in what film does a mother and her three sons, Francis, Jake, and Lotney, hide out at the Lighthouse Lounge after a jailbreak and subsequent car chase? The lounge, named for its views of Oregon's Tillamook Rock Lighthouse, is also the entrance to a tunnel filled with rich stuff and booby traps. Ooh, you don't know this one, do you, Neil? I'm at a loss on this yeah, one. It sounds like a, like a Goonies-type plot, but I don't think it's... The Goonies. I, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking maybe it's like a sort of a family adventure type movie. A jailbreak. That's what's, yeah, that's what throw me up. Because um, initially I was like, oh, Caged Heat. They don't have, <laughs> they don't have kids in that movie. <laughs> Random pull. Um, <laughs> Escape from Portland. Yeah. Um, okay. We, we don't think we know it, but we're just going to lock in with uh, an actual movie. It's a good start. Fusi, do you, do you, does this movie plot ring a bell to you? I have not any idea. Yeah, I don't either. I, my guess was going to be The Goonies because I haven't seen it. And that was you the closest. You haven't seen The Goonies? I, I have not. Oh. Nope. There's a lot of movies I haven't seen. How about The Lighthouse? <laughs> With Robert Pattinson? <laughs> don't kill the seabird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got confused. Just like uh, between 28 Days and 28 Days Later, I ended up watching mm. The Lighthouse when I meant to watch you know, The Goonies. So. Um, <laughs> do you just want to guess the Goonies as a just to have something in there? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Did you say you got confused between Twenty Eight Days Later and the Sandra Bullock rom com Twenty Eight Days? <laughs> yes, that, that's okay. a joke or a drama. Okay, I was just making sure. Uh, yeah, we didn't know. We uh, the jailbreak was throwing us off. Uh, the three kids was throwing us off. So we picked like a family movie uh, and went with Escape from Witch Mountain. So um, it might help you a little more if I told you that Lotney. One of the sons is named Sloth, and it's oh. the Goonies. It is the Goonies. Oh, hey, no way. <laughs> it just yep. wasn't, it just <laughs> wasn't <laughs> the main part of the Goonies. Yeah, that's why I, I wasn't even thinking about that, but Francis now rings a bell, yeah. All right, whatever our first instinct is on this next one, <laughs> we are going yeah, with Yeah, right, we had it right both times. Both we just of them. talked ourselves out of it. Um, so sports stadiums. Um in 1961 at Yankee Stadium, Roger Maris broke Babe Ruth's record by hitting 61 home runs in a single season. Since then, three other players have beaten this record. Please name all three alliteratively named players. Uh, I, I know this, Fusi. We can lock in. Very good. We don't get a lot of baseball here. But I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. You got the other one, too? Oh, yeah. No, I expected uh, hockey to be the most Icelandic sport, but it's actually football, right? Like soccer? Yes, it's soccer. We we are don't really play hockey. Yeah. Interesting. Mighty Ducks lied to us. Mighty Ducks. Yeah, too. they were the they were the powerhouse, Iceland. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. They had like the, the dark uniforms yeah. and the slick back hair. And the the groupies. I haven't seen that. Are we with the villains? Oh yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Are Mighty Ducks there? Are, are, supposed to, are yeah. you ever? <laughs> <laughs> that is a piece of team yeah. <laughs> every every kid has like brill cream like slicked back yeah. hair it's like why are they all so wicked Just bullies for no reason yeah i will be Not honest true though. every, every person from iceland i've ever met very very nice right 
Well, we are locked in. You guys are locked in too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going with Big Mac, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, and Sammy Sosa, three guys who will never be in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Um, we did the same. I hit my chest twice, put the peace sign in the air. We said Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds. Oh, and that's correct. All right. So um, the next one is question four, paranormal tours. So if you're a fan of the paranormal, you may want to visit Baltimore's Greenmount Cemetery and check out the grave of Elijah Bond. In 2007, a historian helped redesign Bond's headstone to include a replica of the novelty Bond patented. This same historian would curate the exhibit, Let the Spirit Move You, in honor of Bond for the Baltimore Museum of Industry. What did Bond patent? All right, so 2007, it was redone. Did they say when he was alive? There was no time period for that, right? I didn't hear that. Um, we got Let the Spirit Move You. What's interesting to me is that they they redid the tombstone to include what he created on it, I'm assuming, or yeah. near it. So. Whatever novelty. So it's like they put a big whoopee cushion on top. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Not that, obviously. That's his legacy. Every time like the, yeah. like yeah. the Blarney Stone. You have to go there and you have to inflate it yourself. <laughs> Whichever way the wind blows. <laughs> this is epitaph. Um, <laughs> Let the spirit move you. What are your thoughts? Do you have a feeling, Jeff? Crystal ball was the thing that came to mind. Um, if he was, you know, maybe like a like a future reader, fortune teller kind of thing. I could see him patenting the crystal ball. I would definitely call that a novelty. So, Absolutely. I couldn't think of anything else kind of related to that. You know, like Let maybe spirit move you. tables that, you know, move themselves or something like that, you know, with pulleys. But yeah, I spirit moved me to crystal ball if you like it. Okay. And now I'm moving as well. Crystal Alrighty, ball. let's do it. <laughs> uh, well, first we were... Thinking of pogo sticks, um, these were just moving. Um, but let the spirit move you was kind of the advertising for the Ouija board. It was kind of you put your hand on it and then it was moving. So we think they might have put a big old Ouija board on it. And you're correct; it is a Ouija board. And actually, he patented it. So who invented it? We're not sure, but oh, yeah. one of those situations. But uh. if you go, yeah, if you go to his grave, you'll see like you know his. His name is date, but on the back you'll see the whole replica of the Ouija board. Oh, you were both you were awfully close though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was not even thinking yeah. I was thinking pet rock. Oh yeah. <laughs> I will I mean I will say that the spirit slightly misled us, which is like when I had my last reading saying I would be a very successful mm-hmm. podcaster. So <laughs> you're a medium successful podcaster. <laughs> I think I think those were just the, the coffee grounds left over in my garbage though. <laughs> um, question number five is national parks. What country is called the Lion King of Africa because it contains the highest population of lions in the world? Protected areas such as the Serengeti National Park and Kilimanjaro National Park, along with assistance from the Maasai tribe, have safeguarded this species. What is this country? And for an extra five bonus points, if you can tell me this country's national animal, and heads up, surprisingly, this is the only country to have this as their national animal. So this is where the rains come down in Africa, right? I was just thinking of the song. Too, I know you were because that's it's got the Serengeti and the Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. Yeah, I think this would be this would be my guess. Okay, this I don't think this is a country. Is this a city? That is not a country. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, that's fine. We'll go with yours. Um, and then can we, can we have a bonus game? <laughs> Basically, it's like I'll name stuff, and you have to tell me whether it's a country or is not. Is it a thing or not? <laughs> we can have a super clip of Neil be like, "Is this a is this a country? Is this an element? Is this a compound?" It's like, no, sorry, no, that is wrong. Um, after discussing that Nairobi is not a country in Africa, we have actually decided on a country that is in Africa and are locked in. All right, Fusi, do you know this one? I don't know it. I was thinking Kenya. Okay. I think it's Tanzania because I always used to guess Kenya, and I think I've gotten it wrong in trivia a couple times. Yeah, maybe giraffe. I can't think of anything else. That I do like giraffe. giraffes. So um, mm, we're going to go too. with Tanzania and giraffes, even though there's a giraffe hotel, I think, in Kenya. No, Kenya and Tanzania are, like, close, right? Yes, they're both in, like, Africa. central eastern Africa. <laughs> so. The, the small continent of Africa, um, which is so enormous. Have you say Eswatini, and let's get it over with. Yeah, that. no, we no, we went with uh, we went with Kenya, Solid and guess. as the uh, the animal, we went with elephant because it's on the Starbucks coffee bag of Kenya. So the answer is Tanzania. Nice. Um, and I was trying to give you a little clue with the bonus question by saying heads up, but it is giraffe. Wow. So. Jeff and Fusi I don't know it. what's going on today, but we're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's funny, though? When we listen to past recordings in the car, if there is a, ge- um, a geography question that Neil gets wrong, my son will say, oh, God, Jeff's going to correct that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. wrong. Not I, wrong, yeah. I, uh, also not wrong uh, very much during this game because the uh, Fusi's foibles is at 45 points and the triple B... Is that 20 points? What was it? Bulk book buyers? Yeah. Bulk book yeah, buyers. You got so 20 bulk points. Bulk buyer boys. So yeah, strong lead. Strong lead halfway through the first. It's it's funny you should say that, Patina, because like in real life, I'm not that much of a pedant, but I do like to play it up on the show for Disagree. fun. Disagree. <laughs> not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin the magic, Jeff. Don't ruin the illusion. <laughs> so number six is cruising. What U.S. state's capital is the most popular cruise destination for its state? Though only having approximately 32,000 full-time residents, this state capital attracts over a million tourists annually, with over 90% being from cruises. Prior to your visit, pack a raincoat and a pair of binoculars to engage in one of the city's most popular tourist activities. And I'm looking for the capital and not the state. So we were talking a lot about state capitals, and it turns out mm, we might need a refresher, but we're locked in with an answer that we hope is the state capital. Do you have any idea, Fusi? I mean... No, I started thinking somewhere down south, and then I moved to, like, Niagara Falls or something. Yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing. Niagara Falls would be h- hard to cruise to. <laughs> Unless you want to go over the falls. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you like... Cruise through. So, like, states that get a lot of cruises, I'm trying to think of, like, the cities that we have on the coastlines. And the first one that came to mind was Anchorage or Juneau in Alaska. Um, I th- I don't know. I think there's more people there, though. And I don't know why you need a raincoat. Binoculars, for sure. They do a lot of bird watching up there. But yeah, all the other places I can think for cruises, there's just more people. There's more people in Tallahassee. There's more people on the East Coast. So I- I'd like to just guess Juneau, Alaska and call it a day i think anchorage is the one that's really populated with like a hundred thousand plus people so it's where everybody in the u.s goes on cruises they either go south or they go to alaska alaska so, cruises yeah 
we'll see we'll see if you're right uh again we our gut said alaska but we went against the gut uh and matt what did we go with uh we were looking in the pacific northwest thinking maybe it was one of those cruises that goes up to uh, Alaska, and we said Olympus, Washington. Olympia, Washington. Olympia, that's what we said. You're right. So the raincoat and the binoculars, um, one of the city's most popular tourist activities for cruises is uh, whale watching, and it's Juneau. It is Juneau. Juneau, Alaska. Oh, man, I had every part of that that one nailed, nailed down. I guess you might want a raincoat for that, yeah. <laughs> when we went, it was just raining the whole time. We really got to go with our gut because we've had the right answer every time. No, let's keep going against it. This is going well. <laughs> That's good. My understanding up there is that the the unofficial uh, bird of Alaska is the mosquito. So mm. if it's raining, it's probably not as bad. <laughs> um, Carnival. Carnival is a festive occasion that is celebrated in predominantly Catholic cities. If you were to visit Rio de Janeiro, you would be celebrating the most attended carnival in the world. The word carnival is associated with the practices of Lent, and its meaning is to abstain from what? This is this makes sense because of other that. things. Yeah. But carnival usually starts on Fat Tuesday, I believe. Does it? Yeah, and then goes into Ash Wednesday. Okay. I've seen the costumes, and I know they party, maybe they party quite a bit. Any of you guys have uh, Catholicism in your in your backgrounds? I I went to CCD, the Catholic, like Monday, whatever, Sunday school type deal. Okay. I went to uh, CCD on Saturdays, and then uh, X-Men started coming on the cartoon. And my, oh, so you quit. my parents said, you can do whatever you want. And I said, I'm, I want to watch X-Men. <laughs> so <laughs> I quit. We went to, I went to CCD, too, and one of my teachers quit, and the other one had a heart attack. We watched, <laughs> oh, no. we watched the Ten Commandments in 40-minute increments over 10 weeks. <laughs> So it was very, very uh, useful. So your your options as a young child were learn about God or watch X Men, and you were like, "Well, this is easy." Smash cut. Let me lock it with the first one. I'm fine with it. Okay, we're gonna lock in with our first guest, our gut guess. Sometimes I wish we had a well produced YouTube channel for jokes like that. Fusi, do you know um, the origins of the word carnival? No, but I'm just connecting it to carnivore and all that. I think you're right. Um, I think be- they give uh, Catholics tend to give up meat on Fridays during Lent. Not fish, but meat. What an enormous sacrifice. I know, right? <laughs> um, so I want to say, I think you're right. I think it's meat. So. Yeah, abstaining from meat. Yeah, we went with our gut. We thought carn, carne. Uh, we said meat. And you're correct. It's meat or translates to flesh but yep for flesh of the animal meat yep all right no flesh i try to abstain from flesh 365 days a year it's a really hard (laughs) in rio during carnival but uh so this next question i'm gonna give a shout out to the ultimate play tester louis or anthony i'm not sure how he oh louis that's louis Louis, yeah Yeah, louis but um he helped me with this question um too smart though that louis yeah dumb it down louis we've asked you this before (laughs) I just love that he can remember a lot of the questions that were played before, so he can, you know, Someone let has me to. know. Someone has to. not us. Skill we lack. Yeah. <laughs> um, so French Riviera, located on the French Riviera, Toulon, France, was a testing site 
in the 1950s for what underwater invention by Jacques Cousteau? Although considered dangerous to use, this invention became a popular tourist activity. Despite all the rage, no confirmed deaths have been reported using this device. A submarine? Yeah, like a little I don't mini. I think he made a submarine. Well, he was in one a lot, whatever it's called. Not a submarine, but a, I can't think of the name of it. The Beatles sang about that like 10 years later. They had to have been around way before. So what do you think then? I like your first answer. Okay. All right. Well, we'll lock in with no our, guts, no our glory. Gut. No guts, no glory. <laughs> Are you implying there were no submarines in World War II? Not a single no, no, submarine. Not, not a submarine. I'm talking about a, a single person exploratory right, well, let's, unit. Let's see what, what these guys Some say. people call them hoagies, <laughs> actually. Jeez. All right, Fusi, do you uh, do you know this one with Cousteau? No, not really. I was thinking of, you know, the scuba tanks that they have on their back and whatever. Yeah, I was originally thinking that, but I, Bettina, I think, snuck in a clue with Despite All the Rage. Um, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Uh, would be lyrics from uh, whatever that band is. Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing Pumpkins. So um, I, think, I think what she's looking for might be mm. the diving bell. Uh, which was kind of a, a container that people would, <clears throat> you know, it would displace the air and they would go down in that. So I, I think my my gut tells me based on what the clue I think I heard was, I think that should be what we go with. But we'll see. Or a shark cage. Yeah, I think Have despite all his the... rage, he is in a oh, tourist shark cage. Could be a shark cage. That's smart. Is that what you guys answered? No, that would be a better answer. We said <laughs> <laughs> We said scuba gear. Oh, the clue was there, and actually Louis helped me with that, but it is a shark cage. Oh, mm, wow. Yeah, uh, I believe that a couple of people have died with scuba gear on. Yeah. But yeah, but nobody's died in a shark cage, which I think is incredible. I think it was and, just, the, uh, and the diving bell was a lot earlier, I believe. Uh, yeah, I why I never even why would I consider a shark cage? So that makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> had just, all the parts, and then you're like, nah. Oh, it was, you were so close to it. Yeah, I was like, you got it. Oh. And just for the record, because okay. I was getting stomped on here uh jacques Cousteau invented uh, the diving saucer small submarine that could hold only two people in 1959 so i was on the right track okay we know you know stuff good neil. job neil i've seen a documentary about jacques Cousteau about the diving saucers <laughs> uh to number nine is super bowl and i'm gonna thank my brother chris for this because i'm not great at sports but he gave me this question most people may remember the New Orleans Saints beating the Colts in Super Bowl 44, but who did the Saints beat in the NFC Championship game that season? The key play occurred when Tracy Porter intercepted Brett Favre's pass in the last minute of the fourth quarter. You remember this one, Fousey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was big, it was a big day in Fousey's household. <laughs> we can lock the day off. All right, Jeff, Jeff's got it. All right, I believe this was a, a day that uh, fans of Minnesota were very upset, right? Mm -hmm. This is not uh, quite the, uh, I believe, Gary Anderson game when he missed that field goal or extra point, whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, you would think it's a Packers because it's Brett Favre, but this was the season he played for the Vikings. Yeah, I was going to say, Fusi, this is uh, the one team I would think that Icelanders <laughs> can get behind. Said the I'm going to say the Vikings. <laughs> That's correct. You guys didn't fall for the... Right, yeah, Minnesota Vikings. Correct. We, we don't wouldn't look be at allowed their mascot, to, though. It's not, not it's accurate. Not a, no. <laughs> we wouldn't be allowed to answer Packers anyway, just out of. They, right. they came here, Minnesota Vikings, after we went to the Euros in the, the soccer team. Mm. Oh, really? Huh. And we made some weird connection with the Minnesota Vikings where our players would go there and do the Viking chant with the fans. Mm. Yeah. That's very cool. Oh, yeah. So, did the Vikings know. ever get to Minnesota? <laughs> It's a good question. Because their chant is Somebody what? Skull, right? That's mm -hmm. the, the Vikings chant. Yeah, yeah, at least in the football. 
in the football. In the football. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan over here. Um, so question 10 is movies or movie theater. I guess you could go there if you're traveling. Um, possibly because the starring actress was Australian or that its title loosely implies family. What horror film's trailer was accidentally played in a Perth, Australia movie theater prior to the showing of Peter Rabbit in 2018? All right, we are going to lock in. So we're thinking of a 2018 horror movie with an Australian lead? Yeah. What comes to mind? Tony Collette's American, right? I think so. What was she in? Hereditary. Hereditary. Oh, actually, that would be funny. Hereditary would be about the... Right time, maybe? I, I like that with so. the familial. Yeah. Tony Clark could be Australian. Sure Australian. I don't think she's Australian. She might be. I mean, anyone I could think of, like um, Nicole Kidman or um, Naomi Watts or anyone else who's Australian, I can't place them in a horror film from that time. So I like that answer. Yep. Star of uh, the Australian rom-com Muriel's Wedding, uh, Tony Collette, Hereditary. Right. Yes, that's correct. It's hereditary. Mm-hmm. Good pull, Fuzzy. Uh, Turns out she's just a good actress. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the scarred children. And... That's probably my favorite horror movie, period. Today I learned Tony Collette's Australian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And after the uh, first round, it looks like it's 85 to 50 with Team FF uh, on top of BBB. Wow, they're, they are not missing very much over there. They are not. So before we throw it to Bettina for the swing round, just wanted to say uh, we're getting really close to 500 patrons, which is amazing. We're at 449 as we record this today, uh, which is the end of March. But uh, we just want to say thank you to all our patrons currently. And if anyone's interested, you can go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast for a bunch of great things like uh, what, Jeff? So many great things. Neil, uh, I mean, I love to start with just the bonus episodes recording the crop drops every month, plus our bonus trivia episodes, some of the most fun that we have uh, doing the show. Nice little way to pay our patrons back. But uh, we have perks at all levels, so any amount of support that you're interested in giving us, we would be greatly appreciative. Check us out, patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. I remember just the other day we were knocking at the door of 400. Now look at us. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever we started, started at the bottom. Yeah. Now we're here. Now, now we're, we're somewhere. Whatever. Mm-hmm. We're somewhere in the middle, hopefully. Yeah. I don't think we ever thought we'd get 50 you know, let alone a hundred even. Talking about listeners or patrons. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Dollars. That's yeah, right, exactly. Well, thank you all, and uh, thank you to our patrons who are on the show today. And back to Bettina for the swing round. All right. So the last question was to kind of help us transition into the swing round. So for the swing round, we're going to places we might be a little leery of. So these are cities in scary movies. So I'll give you the year the film was released, the city that the film is set in, and a tagline for the movie. I just want you to name the uh, name the film. And if it's a sequel, I just need the correct number. Ooh. So, for example, released in 1978, set in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And uh, the answer is Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Got it. All right. Got it. Um. Okay, number one, uh, released 1978, Haddonfield, Illinois, The Night He Came Home. Uh, Number two, 2004, set in Tokyo, Japan, It Never Forgives, It Never Forgets. Um, Released 1985, Springwood, Ohio, The Man of Your Dreams is Back. Um, Released 2018, 
set in Berlin, Give Your Soul to the Dance. Um, 1999, uh, set in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Not Every Gift is a Blessing. Um, 2001, Jersey, Channel Islands, United Kingdom. Sooner or later, they will find you. Um, released in 1986, Phoenix, Arizona. They're back. Um, number eight, 1995, Woodsboro, California. Someone's taken their love of scary movies one step too far. Um, number nine, released in 1984, Gatlin, Nebraska. And a child shall lead them. And then last one, number 10, released in 1968, set in New York City. It's not what you're expecting. All right, that's the swing round, and we will be right back with the answers. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. The teams have come up with their answers, and we are back. So let's get the questions one more time, please, Bettina. Okay, number one, uh, released in 1978 and said in Haddonfield, Illinois, the night he came home. We went with uh, Halloween. Uh, so do we, Halloween. Yep, and that's correct. It's Halloween. Classic. Um, released in 2004, Tokyo, Japan. It never forgives, it never forgets. Uh, we went with the grudge. The grudge is what I was thinking of. So we oh. said ring, uh, ringu. I'm wondering if it's Juon. Yep, and it's the grudge. I knew that one because uh, is of the it star. The, is it the OG or the or the remake? the American with Sarah oh, okay. Michelle Gellar? Released in 1985, Springwood, Ohio. The man of your dreams is back. We went uh, Nightmare on Elm Street two. 
same Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yep, both correct. Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Um, released in 2018, Berlin, Give Your Soul to the Dance. We went with Suspiria. And so did we, Suspiria. Yep, and you're correct. It's Suspiria. It is the mystery of the dance, Matt. <laughs> Never seen it. I haven't either. The original is very good. The well, new one's Simpsons, different, Matt. but oh, yeah. it is the mystery of the dance. <laughs> Tango Duelo Muerte. Um, 1999, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Not every gift is a blessing. Uh, we saw dead people and said six cents. Mm, we said seven. And it's six cents. You're correct. The gift, I guess, like you said, is to see dead people. Um, a gift that I would not want to have. <laughs> as soon as we heard horror and Philadelphia or M. Night Shyamalan, we had to go with it. Uh, 2001 Jersey, Channel Islands, UK. Sooner or later, they will find you. I kind of remember the uh, tagline of this, or at least on the poster, and I'm hoping it's right, but we said the others. Yeah, that sounds about right. We blanked on this one. It's the others, yep. Probably my favorite of the bunch. Uh, 1986 Phoenix, Arizona, they're back. I think the original, they were here, now they're back. We think this is Poltergeist 2. Yep, Poltergeist 2. Yep, and you're correct, it's Poltergeist 2. Have you ever seen Poultrygeist? <laughs> Horror movie? <laughs> it's funny yeah. you should say that because uh, their back was also a tagline for a dinosaur film I liked as a kid, oh, which is how I know story. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I was always too chicken to see Poultrygeist. <laughs> 1995, uh, set in Woodsboro, California. Someone's taken their love of scary movies one step too far. One of my favorites, uh, we went with Scream. So did we, Scream. You're correct, Scream it is. And then 1984, Gatlin, Nebraska, and a child shall lead them. Um, I think Home of the Corn Huskers. Uh, we went with Children of the Corn. And we did as well, Children of the Corn. And you're correct. And just to age myself, this is a Stephen King story that was in the book Night Shift, and I actually checked that out of my school library in middle school, so they didn't ban Stephen King books in my <laughs> middle school. Do you still have the book? Is it like Seinfeld, where you've kept the book <laughs> for years and years? Bookman. The Bookman's coming after you? <laughs> no, I gave it back. Oh, <laughs> but I do remember getting it, and the librarian might have even recommended it. But, um I'm sorry, number 10. Released in 1968, set in New York City. It's not what you're expecting. This one has a great tagline uh, that helps you with uh, the clue because of the expecting. And we went Rosemary's Baby. We had, well, Psycho. It's Rosemary's Baby, just like you said, expecting. Yeah, good job, guys. I would like you guys to all be aware that Poultrygeist, Night of the Chicken Dead, is a 2006 musical horror film directed by Lloyd Kaufman. <sighs> and let's see what its Rotten Tomatoes score is here. <laughs> Uh, actually, it's sixty four percent. All right. So you want a good double feature? You watch that, and then you watch Thanks Killing with a mm. killer turkey. <laughs> nice. I love Thanks Killing. <laughs> All right, that concludes the swing round. It looks like uh, BBB did great. They did perfect. Uh, that brings their score to one hundred, uh, nearly catching up with. Um, uh, Fusi's foibles, which did pretty good as well, picking up 30 points, bringing their score to 115. And based on that, I think Fusi's category is probably movies because he probably got most of those, right? That is correct. He <laughs> carried the whole team. <laughs> just, just, just guessing. But uh, what do you have in store for the second round? All right. The second round is, <clears throat> excuse me, the titles are all countries or cities. 
So number one, Boston. On April 5th, 1976, a heated protest took place on the steps of City Hall regarding the desegregation of Boston buses. This tension was captured in the Pulitzer Prize-winning photo, The Soiling of Old Glory, which captured the moment that African-American lawyer Ted Landsmark was attacked with what item? We have two choices here, and we're, we're going to choose one, so we're going to lock in. I don't know this photo, Fusi. Um, when we talk about Old Glory in the U.S., it tends to be about the flag. Um, so I don't know if he was attacked with a flag or like a something like that, but... That sounds good to me. That's what we'll guess. We're going to go with uh, a flag. Don't attack people with flags. Our two clues uh, that we kind of locked in on were soiling. So we thought maybe it was a, a water hose um, or like a, a fireman's hose uh, shooting water. And then we thought of Old Glory the same reason, um, meaning the flag. So we ultimately went with the flag. And he was actually attacked with a flag or flagpole. So yes, mm. you're correct. Yeah, I think the, and, I think uh, the water hose picture you're thinking of was outside the diner in the 50s or 60s. That's an earlier, earlier Yeah, picture. that might be right. So I feel yeah. like that one's in black and white, the one we're thinking of. Yeah, this is an incredible photo if you see it. And uh, he was just a bystander. He was walking past just at the wrong time, and he got attacked. But because of this photo, he had a phenomenal career. And anyway, it's a good story afterwards. <laughs> um, Portugal, number two. What medical procedure did Portuguese neurologist Antonio Igas Monias develop to win the Nobel Prize in medicine in 1949? There has been so much criticism for this procedure that was banned in the Soviet Union just one year after his win for being inhumane. Well, yeah, unless we have to be more specific, but I'll lock. I think that's a good one. Okay, we're going to lock in. My, I my just thought, thought about here, lobotomizing. But yep, lobotomizing older. is exactly what I thought. Because I... I I feel like I remember that having won um, a Nobel Prize in medicine at some point, and he was so a neurologist, a and it's inhumane. So, yeah, I'm, I I would like to go with that if you're comfortable with lobotomy. Yeah, I think uh, we agree. I think that this was the, uh, the full frontal lobotomy or just lobotomy. Yep, it was lobotomy. Correct. Um, number three is St. Paul, Minnesota. What late comedian was born in St. Paul into a family of 11 children, all of whom he mentioned individually in his 2016 Emmy acceptance speech? He had a bit part in Ferris Bueller's Day Off as a flower delivery man before being hand-selected by Eddie Murphy as the quote-unquote white guy in his movie Coming to America. We can lock in. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Louis Anderson, right? Like the guy from Baskets? Right. Think so, yeah. I think he's deceased. I think she said late, so he, he just died. So. Yeah, so Louis Anderson. Yeah, by all accounts, uh, from what I've read, very nice man. Uh, we went with Louis Anderson. Yep, you're correct. Yeah, and he just passed away in January, but it was Louis Anderson. <laughs> How about the '90s? We had a Louis Anderson cartoon. We had a Howie Mandel cartoon. Louis Anderson hosted the feud. He did People host the feud for that? a while. Yeah, it's terrible. He's not good at it. <laughs> R.I.P. He's no Richard Carn. We yeah. all know this. What a uh, tribute, Matt. That's what Louis Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that thing he was bad at? Let's yeah. laugh at him. Uh, he was good at everything uh, else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Germany. Number four, Germany. What element did German chemist Hennig Brand discover in 1677 when he was experimenting on his own urine to produce gold? This element's name is derived for the Greek for bringer of light and is named because it glowed in the dark. 
like he's trying to make gold out of something. He's like, what should I make gold out of? Let's I see. know something that's quite gold. <laughs> <laughs> and you can actually go online and and do this yourself if you wanted to. No, I'm good. <laughs> experiment with your urine on the stove. And... I've been able to so far avoid those types of videos on the internet. So <laughs> Jeff is no stranger to urine experimentation. I feel like that <laughs> but we don't we don't kink shame here. What do you know it's about urine, purposes. Matt? I know in our, <laughs> I know in our past, Matt, we've experimented with urine. But what do we remember? Um, many seasons of Man vs. Wild DVDs. Is... I don't know why in the back of our coffee conglomerate shop. Don't drink shop... your urine. It is not good for you. Yeah, yeah please. In the, in the back you of, have to. In the back of our no, coffee, it's still uh... not good for you. It'll dehydrate you. Actually, I saw a video about that because every time you drink it and then you go again, it just gets. Uh, yeah, more and more diluted. toxic. More and more toxic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> urine is not sterile, people. Yeah, it's good to know. I, the, the two that I was thinking of were the two that you wrote down. I like the second one because I'm pretty sure that that one is used in other glow in the dark items. Oh, like glow bright and yeah, the toys we used to play. Oh with. yeah, you know. Okay, yeah, let's go with that. Glow sticks when we're at the raves. Fusi, you said you're not great in science, but you know, this, do you know this one? No. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna talk it out. Let me know if this sounds like it makes sense. I think. Phosphorus is in P, and forest sounds like it could be fluorescent related. I don't know, so maybe it glows in the dark. I, I just want to guess phosphorus. I think it was discovered about that time. So sounds good to me. Phosphorus will be our, wow. our answer. I hope that's right because that means I did a science correctly, and we said phosphorus. It's not yeah, uranium. I also <laughs> wrote down uranium. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's phosphorus. Good job, guys. Phosphorescent, well yeah. I love, I love you guys. Uranium <laughs> is great. I'm very happy. That's the title. <laughs> um, Good luck photoshopping number... it. Not a problem. <laughs> I've already got the idea in my head. Uh, number five is Japan. Uh, the Aomori Prefecture on the island of Honshu yields the highest quantity of what type of fruit in Japan? This fruit is also the most consumed fruit in Japan. The Tohoku Research Station in Fujisaki is credited with cultivating one of the most popular varieties currently in the world. What is the fruit? Mm. I would like to uh, use our phone a friend uh, on Ken. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a fruit? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's our new uh, podcast spinoff. Is, is, is this a blank? It, is Blake a Blake? I mean, is this a fruit is a much harder question than you would think every, some of the time. Every week, two, quick two-minute episode, is this a fruit? Actually, <laughs> new fruit every week. That would be a good podcast is, is this a blank? And then every episode, is, is it a fruit? Is it a country? Rapid fire. Like, yeah. a, like a raspberry. Is it a fruit? Mm -hmm. So I've had many sort of. sakes of and wines made from this. And if it is a fruit, oh, yeah. I'm assuming that they make a lot of it and they eat a lot of it. Yeah. That's sound logic, assuming that that is a fruit. Do you know if it's a fruit? <laughs> I, I'm gonna guess that it's a fruit, and we're gonna we're gonna lock in with this. Wow, this this could be interesting. <laughs> we're gonna lock oh in with God. this fruit. <laughs> okay, uh, do you know any Japanese fruits? Uh, no, I don't. Not uh, for some reason. Comes to like mind. Goji berry came to mind. I don't think it's right. I don't know any specifically Japanese fruits. Yeah, um, I know. I've, I've I've noticed some of the bananas at the grocery stores are from Japan. Really? Yeah, bananas would be an interesting one, but 
I don't, I don't a lot of the Japanese cuisine I know doesn't really use bananas, but to be fair, I also don't know anything about goji berries. So, um, what's, what's that really? The durian? Is that that really smelly one? Probably this. What one? Is that durian fruit? But I don't know. Yeah, that like, like it like smells really bad. Oh, sounds great. I, I mean, you live in a country with Hakarl, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with Hakarl, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't say it right, but yeah, it's it's a acquired taste. Say it again for me. Hakarl? Hakarl. Hakarl. Makluk. Yeah, we got a lot of stinky food here. <laughs> I, I liked most of it. Except yeah. that. Except that. No, that, was, <laughs> that was what was the, um, the uh, Plofisker? Said, I don't know how you say it, but the fish potato that was amazing. delicious. Yeah, pluck fish good. Yeah, pluck fish good. Yeah, I could eat that every day. Yeah, it was it was awesome. But I'm vegan now, so I can't it was always a it. fun like <laughs> thing you would do to your friends. You went to their house and you would take uh, you you would have haukart with you, is the ones that you buy in the grocery store, and then you microwave it and it stinks up the entire house. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Just throw it in the microwave when he's not looking. <laughs> Okay, so fruit. Um, <laughs> just name of fruit. I don't know. I just think of like, yeah, star fruit and random things like that. But sure, we're gonna go with the star fruit because we have no idea. You have no idea. None whatsoever. Okay. We uh, discussed a few things. I remember. A long time ago, uh, drinking choya, uh, which was a plum wine, and I know they have a lot of plum wines there. So that's what we were discussing. If Pickled a, plum, yeah, very very popular. If a plum was a fruit, that's what we were discussing. But I believe it is. Uh, so we wanted plum. So I was trying to give you a little hint here, but it Fuji sake, Fuji is uh, where I was going with that, and apples is what is oh. the fruit. Apple makes a lot more sense, and it's also China's most popular fruit too. Fuji is my third favorite kind of apple. And then your first favorite kind of film. <laughs> what Kodak man. I got it. I grew up in the 80s. I got it. <laughs> uh, Fusi, I'm just curious. Uh, I was watching a, docu- a food documentary, but in Iceland, is, is Skyr, is that how you pronounce it? S-K-Y-R is pretty popular there? Oh, yeah. We got a lot of that. Because all the recipes had that in it, so I was just curious. Remind me, what's what is skier? That's the it's yogurt. It's like a thick yogurt. Oh yeah, very high That's protein. Right. And I watched them make a volcano bread. It was really cool. They they baked the bread on a volcano. We had some. yeah. Did you? Yeah, that's cool. Oh, that sounds awesome. And that is the first half of the second round. It is one fifty-five to one forty. So the gap is the same, but uh, close scores. So number six is Canada. What Canadian province is noted for producing the most NHL-ready players per capita? This province has three to four NHL players per 100,000 people. Remarkable considering the province has approximately 1.1 million residents and no NHL team. And a hint for this question is two late great athletes, hockey legend Gordon Howe and pro wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper are from this province. Yeah, we'll lock in. That's a province, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're locked. Is this a province? <laughs> <laughs> so was uh, uh, Roddy Piper's a new fee, right? Ooh, that that makes sense with the the right amount of people. Newfoundland's a great great guess, and the and the Scottishness, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they definitely don't have a, a hockey team. So I I like Newfoundland. That was like one of the top two I was considering. 
What was What's your other one? one? Yeah. Manitoba. Okay. But I think there's more people in Manitoba than that. So, so we got a Newfoundland. We're going to go Newfoundland. Yeah, we were discussing that one as well. We kind of crossed out, you know, Vancouver, Ontario, Ottawa, et cetera. Um, Matt wrote down Saskatchewan. Which... Is that because Vancouver is a city in British Columbia? Or British Columbia is one of them, yes. Is this a, is this a province? Um... <laughs> I, I need to make Patina's son and all the other people who know me as a pedant happy. So. <laughs> Newfoundland sounds great, though. So we, we went with uh, Saskatchewan, though. And the answer is Saskatchewan. Ooh. Wow. Yes. <laughs> There's that few people in Saskatchewan? Wow. The yeah. gap is closing. Yep, we're, we're going on the London Underground to close the gap. So, uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Handsome Dan was the first live mascot of an American university when Yale adopted him in 1889. Currently, Walter is the 18th Bulldog to have this honor. But what was the significance of the Bulldog Bingo, who became the mascot in 1969? Nice. The only thing I knew was Yale had a Bulldog. So now I'm very sad. He was like shaking his head like, oh yeah, got it. Bulldog. Because it's from from Grimmel Girls. They talk about Handsome Dan all the time. Was Bingo especially stinky? Bingo had the worst poops. <laughs> Bingo was indeed his, his name. Oh, yeah, we got it. I don't know much about lost, Jeff. Yeah, me too. I, I I have a couple thoughts. Maybe Bingo is the only uh, female bulldog or male bulldog, one of the two. Um, and or my other thought is maybe Bingo was blind, like the dog in Arrested Development, um, Justice. Not as funny, uh, but not as funny when you just say it, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, three-legged, three-legged would be awesome. Um, three-legged dogs are great. Um, every three-legged dog I've ever met is cool. So, so where are you going with? Uh, Peg leg. Yeah, let's say let's say uh, <laughs> you choose, Jeff. I have no idea. Let's say let's say Bingo uh, was missing a leg. Yeah, we just kind of thought about Handsome Dan and sort of the uh, the myth of fans, of Handsome Dan and thought maybe it was a female dog. You're correct. Bingo was the first girl dog, and she symbolized Yale opening their doors to women in 1969. Hmm. So wow. I like that. It has a little meaning, too. There goes your lead. Yeah. Oh, kiss <laughs> goodbye. A bittersweet uh, piece of history. I believe she has four legs, but <laughs> yeah. Or she had for I, I will entrust that you are correct. <laughs> she, well, yeah. um, Thailand, number eight. What movie character, whose surname is also the title of the 1973 movie, has become a symbol of protection and good luck to truck drivers in Thailand? The image of Al Pacino's character on mud flaps is meant to discourage disruption by corrupt police officers. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to lock in over here. Kojak? What was the what was the police officer he played? <laughs> Not Kojak. Yeah. Uh, Hoo-ah! I, uh, that was Scent of a Woman. I know, it was, was Scent of a Woman. You're, you're thinking of Telly Savalas with the uh, sucker in his mouth. It's Kojak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the uh, Serpico, right? Was that yes. El Pacino? That, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay, we're, we'll go with Serpico. <laughs> I haven't seen many It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episodes, but there's one with Charlie dressed yes. as Serpico the entire time. <laughs> so that's all I could think of until <laughs> you said Serpico. That's correct. I remember that too. Serpico it is. Yeah. So I guess they have mud flaps with Al Pacino's face oh, on it. Oh, so cool. <laughs> that should be the truck's horn then is when they pull it. It's hoo-ah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if they 
police officers see their mud flaps, they don't mess with them. I don't know. <laughs> um, number nine, uh, Colorado. A year prior to his road trip to cover the Mint 400 road race, what countercultural journalist campaigned for sheriff of Pitkin County, Colorado in 1970 on the freak power ticket? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. You want to lock that in? Yep, locked in. Lucy, I don't know why, but it makes me think on the road with Jack Kerouac. I thought Jack Kerouac. <laughs> We're going to make it easy. We're going to lock in with Jack Kerouac. We thought about Kerouac, but uh, the one Matt wrote down I thought was much more counterculture. What did you go with? Yeah, I think this might have been on the road when they were leaving Las Vegas, and we said Hunter S. Thompson. That's correct. It's Hunter S. Thompson. The Mint 400 is in Las Vegas. Yeah. So, number 10. So, heading back home. So, this is a Wilmington, North Carolina question, since that's where I live. (laughs) What 1986 David Lynch movie was filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina? Lynch wanted the lead character, Jeffrey Beaumont, to be played by Chris Isaac, but he turned it down. Two of Isaac's songs, though, are included in the film's soundtrack, along with songs sung by actress Isabella Rossellini. We can lock in over here. Shocking. <laughs> I stopped writing after Lynch movie. What Lynch movies do we know, Jeff? Oh. Eraserhead? Uh, could be. I don't remember. I think early Lynch. Uh, Mulholland Drive? Oh, yeah. 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 That's David Lynch. All right. Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Park. That does not help me. No. I'm I'm, no. I'm lost. Sorry. Uh, Fusi and I just can't seem to come up with it. Uh, I think our, the closest guess we had was Eraserhead. So that's what we're going to lock in. <sighs> we said Blue Velvet. What kind of beer are you like? <laughs> Perhaps we would. <laughs> yeah, but you're correct. It's Blue Velvet with Isabella Rosalini and Kyle McLaughlin before he starred in Twin Peaks. Ooh, we had a pretty good round there. <laughs> We're making Very a good round. At the conclusion of the second round, um, team bulk book buyer. <laughs> Perfect. Big, big bulk 190. Book trailing them, Fusi's foibles. 165, fading into the background. Living up to the team name. <laughs> I do want to say, Bettina, last time you were here, you you wrote and hosted a wonderful game. We got a lot of great feedback, and today is, is really? no exception. It's really great again, so thank you. Yeah, it's been awesome. Wow. Did you guys ever go on the online quiz league? So I write for that. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> the only trivia we do is right here in this room. We reserve all <laughs> of our trivia for occasionally bar trivia. We mm-hmm. try not to get better at trivia because we just don't know if it'll help. <laughs> <laughs> So, Ken, you just announced the scores for the end of regulation. Right before we go to the final round to hear the categories, one thing we wanted to ask once more of all of our listeners is for some more I Am The Cream drops. Oh, that's right. Uh, Any part of that Macho Man speech that you'd like to record yourself doing, you could do it in your own voice. You could do it in Macho Man's voice or a tertiary voice, if you please. Gilbert Godfrey voice. We just need more uh, cream drops so we can have a little bit more variety. And if you want to hear yourself on the show, please uh, send that in. Yep, and it could be, you know, I am the cream, cream rises to the top. Uh, just check out the Macho Man video of Unjustifiably. him. Unjustifiably. Mm-hmm. Yep, Any, anything you want to do. Yep, send them in, please, to uh, trivialitypodcast at gmail.com. And what are the final round categories today? So the uh, final round categories will do with outer space, since there has been more travel there recently. And I'm a huge David Bowie fan, so the questions are Starman, Space Oddities, Ashes to Ashes, 
Life on Mars, and Moon Age Daydream. And all the bets are in. Looks like both teams are going all in and uh, just hoping that these questions favor them. Let's get the questions. All right. Um, Starman. What astrophysicist co-founded Asteroid Day in 2004? He is perhaps more famous as a guitarist and was influential in having an asteroid named in honor of his bandmate in 2016 on what would have been his bandmate's 70th birthday. Um, so space oddities. In November 2000, the Terra satellite showed the thermal imaging of the geographical oddity Blood Falls. Blood Falls is a reddish-brown waterfall that pours onto the shores of West Lake Bonnie in Victoria Land. The image is remarkable because of the difficulty satellites have in imaging this area. What continent is Blood Falls located on? Ashes to Ashes. In what cult horror movie is the character Ash Williams the sole survivor of the Canadarian demon? The film features a poster of Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes, which the film director Sam Raimi purposefully added to boast that his movie was scarier than Craven's. Life on Mars. In Roman mythology, what bird revered for its cunning and wisdom was Mars's son Picus turned into by the witch Circe? Those unfamiliar with the myth may remember the bird from the cartoon character whose Macy's Day Parade float was punctured by Jerry in a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> a Moon Age Daydream. Written by Henry Mancini, Dreamsville Music was the score used for the TV program Peter Gunn. Who played piano on the 1958 recording? This musician would become an acclaimed Academy Award-winning film composer with his first Oscar nomination for 1967's Valley of Dolls. And those are the questions. We'll be right back with the team's answers. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. And, 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 and we're back. Welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, the answers are locked in, and uh, let's get the questions one more time. See how it all shakes out. Starman, what astrophysicist co-founded Asteroid Day in 2004? 
He is perhaps more famous as a guitarist and was influential in having an asteroid named in his honor in honor of his bandmate in 2016 on what would have been his bandmate's 70th birthday. We love this trivia fact uh, about this person, and we said it's the guitarist for Queen, Brian May. Uh, yes, we also said Brian May. And that's correct. It's Brian May. And so, you know, David Bowie and Freddie Mercury all have asteroids named after them as well, in case it was ever to come up. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, space oddities. In November 2000, the Terra satellite showed thermal imaging of the geographical oddity Blood Falls. Blood Falls is a reddish-brown waterfall that pours onto the shores of West Lake Bonnie in Victoria Land. The image is remarkable because of the difficulty satellites have in imaging this area. What continent is Blood Falls located on? Um, we were between Australia and Antarctica, and we went with Australia, probably regrettably. And we went with Antarctica. And that's correct. It's Antarctica. Mm, boo. And I just felt like all the continents should be covered in my sets. So oh, nice. I added that one in. <laughs> I was going to say, with the, when you reset it, I was because I was thinking there's really no satellites over Antarctica. But the, when you said the thermographic imaging, I'm like, oh, that's got to be tough. So. Yeah, they were able to capture it. But just like you said, the satellites have a hard time getting to the poles. Um, ashes to ashes. In what cult horror movie is the character Ash Williams, the sole survivor of the Canadarian demon? The film features a poster of Wes Craven's The Hills of Eyes, which the film director Sam Raimi purposely added to boast that his movie was scarier than Craven's. We went with Evil Dead. As did we. Evil Dead. So Evil Dead. And I guess y'all figured out the genre when I was <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> put a lot of horror in there. Um, so Life on Mars. In Roman mythology, what bird revered for its cunning and wisdom was Mars's son Picus turned into by the witch Circe? Those unfamiliar with the myth may remember the bird from the cartoon character whose Macy's Day Parade float was punctured by Jerry in a Seinfeld episode. Um, Neil remembered that this was Tweety Bird, uh, which is a yellow canary. And what did we say here, Jeff? Picus, uh, we said uh, was a canary. So the parade float that was punctured by Jerry was Woody Woodpecker, oh, that's right. and it is a woodpecker. Ooh, I don't know what I was I thought thinking. It, I thought it was Woodstock, like one of the Snoopy ones. Yeah. So. <laughs> and Picus is the name for the family of woodpeckers. Ah. Oh, that's right. That was Mr. Pitt. Mr. Pitt's favorite uh, character. That was my bad. Sorry. Tweety Bird. I think you're going to get us, though, if you get this last one. Okay. Moon Age Daydream. Written by Henry Mancini, Dreamsville Music was the score used for the TV program Peter Gunn, who played piano on the 1958 recording. This musician would become an acclaimed Academy Award winning film composer. Excuse me. His first Oscar nomination was for 1967's Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, we went with uh, John Williams. So do we, John Williams. And that's correct. It's John Williams. Good way to end the game. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> All right. The final round was a little bit hit and miss for bulk book buyers. So they're not going to be, be able to buy quite as many books as they thought they were going to be. They finished with 220. Unfortunately, it was more hit than miss over here. Yeah, true. You guys only missed one question, bolstering your score by 90, bringing you to 255, making Fusi's foibles the cream of the crop. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. Great game, guys. Mm. Well done. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. It was in your grasp the whole time, then it started slipping. 
but then you you, you snatch the victory. I, I, Fusi was a, a great teammate. I feel like the only reason we had a chance in the final was because of the help uh, on quite a few of these questions, especially during that swing round. Mm. Scary movies are not my strong point. So, Fusi any, uh, coming in in the clutch. It, absolutely. Any uh, Anything you'd like to say, Fusi, before we uh, bid you adieu? Uh, no, just thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Let's do it again. Talk for joining us. And uh, <laughs> talk video. Oh. And uh, Bettina, thank you again for this great game. Uh, any final statements from you? Sure, I'm just going to give a couple of shout outs to people who helped me out. My brother, Chris, of course, my cousin Doug, and Kelsey Barkham, which y'all know, mm-hmm. and my friend Connie, and the trivia team that I play with, Long, Hing, and Gwen. And again, so many people from the crop, they're always so helpful. Um, and I'm going to forget a couple names, but. Um, Lewis, Nathan, and Chris. And thank you so much for having me back. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. Love to have you guys on. Um, And that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, Great game all around. Uh, Thank you, Jeff, Neil, Matt. I'm Ken. And that was Triviality. Go buy the book. (laughs) (laughs) For the poop. I'm very very poop-phobic. Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) why you never go it's your least favorite category <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. I, <laughs> I stand by that as a good joke <laughs>